Funding for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Leanne S., John Dulong, Josias Melendez, and Ian Collis. Listeners like you. If you'd like to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Hmm. Terry Rozier, a more clutch player in the finals than Kyrie Irving? I mean, that's kind of a hot take. Chris Stapps, they should, the Knicks should trade Chris Stapps Porzingis? I, I, I don't know. Oh, hello. I didn't see you there. I'm Lucas Mancini of the Elwood City Limits Podcast. Welcome to my humble abode. Uh, While you're here, I'd just like to remind you that Elwood City Limits is recorded in beautiful Halifax, Nova Scotia by the ocean. And Halifax, Nova Scotia has their Best of Halifax Awards that you can vote in from June 1st to July 15th. And what do you know? As this podcast is recorded in Halifax, it's eligible for the best podcast from Halifax. All you have to do is go to bestofhalifax.com, scroll down to the media section, and type in Elwood City Limits as your nomination for best podcast. You can even write a little blurb about why you think it's the best. It would be really great if you're a fan of Elwood City Limits to head on down to bestofhalifax.com and nominate us. Thanks! Funding for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. Email. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And by contributions from listeners like you. Literally at ElwoodCityLimits.Libson.com. Thank you. Cha-ching, cha-ching, baby. I'm going to go close the door for acoustic purposes. Just one moment. Yeah, I had to do the same thing with my window. I was like, you know, I've kept the window open a couple times and it's been fine. But also now that it's summer. uh, I didn't hear anything you just said because I was closing the door. (laughs) Uh, I was going to say, like, I've been keeping my window open the last couple times I've recorded in a different room. So I'm like, oh, maybe it's okay. But then I remembered now that it's summer, uh, they're definitely going to be mowing the lawn. Uh, at some point, so I don't want to have to close the window. I might as well it's do been it a right while, now. It's been a while since I went back and listened to an episode, so I don't know how much the the constant motorcycles uh, driving by and the uh, the constant ambulances get caught up on the microphone. Because I am right next to a window um, on busy Portland Street. So I mean, you can hear them, but I, they don't bother me. <laughs> well, I'm glad that's the case. And I mean that's that's that that is our audience for the show. It's not not you and me. It's just me. Like I'm <laughs> I'm the one who listens to it and edits it. I can confirm that this show has one listener, and it's me. Uh, oh so. well, I love it when we do an early morning episode. You just got so much gusto. <laughs> yeah, as opposed to uh, being after a workday where I'm like just Ugh, let's just get it over with. <laughs> welcome uh, welcome to our one listener to Elwood City Limits. Welcome me. Thank you, me. Welcome, Will. Hi, Will. Then, hi. Hi. But just in case anybody else might be listening, I doubt it. Welcome to Elwood City Limits. We're meeting in the early morning once again. Well, eh, actually, it's almost noon. Uh, early morning to you kids out there uh, with uh, my co-host, Lucas Mancini. Big news, Will. Did you hear the news this morning? It's all the news in here in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Uh, Aqua 
and Prozac are going on a reunion tour, and they're playing the Halifax Forum on September 21st. Oh, really? Tickets, they're they're coming here, are they? Tickets go on sale Thursday. <laughs> so a friend of mine shared that, and I thought it was like, because they announced they were coming to, like, I don't know, Newfoundland or something. Yeah. And and I was like, oh, that must be it. But I didn't see that they're, they're making a stop here, too. Yeah, they announced that this morning. So uh, I've been listening to Dr. Jones all morning. And can I just say that song, that, that song, I, I think the kids refer to it as, that song goes dumb. That song goes dumb. Uh, it is a certified slapper. Along with Cartoon Heroes and Barbie Girl, pretty much any Aqua song, certified slappers. Uh, Candyman, oh my goodness. I'm thinking, uh, well, I mean, immediately, I'm go- going to Barbie Girl, but my favorite Aqua song, the one that I actually have on my iPod, is for, I prefer their second album. Oh. Uh, uh, Cartoon Heroes and Around the Cart- World. <laughs> Cartoon Heroes was great because the remix was in Dance Dance Revolution, and that song is awesome. Dance uh-huh. Dance Revolution. Uh, also, Prozac, I know one Nitro Rad, uh, one-time guest on the show and maker of the cover art, loves Prozac, so I'm sure he'll be excited. Uh, uh, Pro- if you're American, by the way, if you're American and listening to this and you have no idea what we're talking about, um, in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, there was a band called Prozac, and I don't know, was Aqua big in America? It must have been, right? I think so. Like I think North America, like for that summer that Barbie Girl came out, they were pretty yeah. big. Um, no and they're remember. they're like Europeans. Anyway, mm-hmm. they broke big here in Canada. I know that Aqua, uh, Prozac was more of a Canadian thing, but Aqua was also like huge in like 2000 here on Much Music, which is the Canadian MTV. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually, th- that's the thing that's got me most interested about this and what might like encourage me to purchase a ticket is uh, the party gets started, the Aqua and Prozac concert with a Much Video Dance. Yeah. I remember those I, advertisements from when I was much younger. Much younger than the much video dance. No, I'm I'm excited. Um, I, I, I'm going to get my tickets Thursday. It's going to be a fun time. I don't think that it is in my budget, unfortunately, but I'm very interested to hear the secondhand feedback. So if you do indeed go, you'll have to tell us all about it. Of course. Uh, it, I mean, it kind of fits the theme. Like, these bands would have been big. Right around uh, this season of Arthur that we're talking about right now, pretty much. Yeah, so absolutely. It, it, it fits. It's definitely good homework for the podcast. <laughs> but I will say this, uh, having listened to a bit of Prozac recently, uh, if you're listening to it in like a modern mindset, these these lads can come across as, uh, you know, kind of kind of F-boys. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Are you saying Prozac's problematic? Uh, no, but I, I mean, not, I, I, I will say it's it's pretty crazy that the dudes from like, he's, they're like from Quebec or Ontario or something, and they yes. just put on a fake British accent. That's pretty <laughs> whack in the first place. <laughs> the the lyrical content uh leaves a bit to be desired, but I mean, the songs themselves are yeah. still, you can get into them. Unlike the lyrics of an Aqua song, which are like master class. Absolutely. I mean, uh, if anything, a masterclass in how to not date yourself. Because, <laughs> I mean, we still got Barbie in 2018. That's true. Dr. That's... Jones still needs to wake up now. That... All the all the heroes <laughs> mentioned in the song Cartoon Heroes, Spider-Man, still relevant. Superman, you know I mean? yeah. yeah. Yeah, still relevant. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
I'm glad you brought this up. I was not aware this was coming so close. I will have to keep my eye on that. It's all uh, I've been doing all morning is like <laughs> being part of the discourse, the the Halifax Instagram discourse about like, oh shit, like we gotta go see the Aqua the Aqua concert. So Well, uh from that blast of the past from the nineties that have long left us, uh to Modern day. We've before we get into this episode of the classic PBS kids show Arthur, uh, we've got some emails to answer over at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Very very happy with the amount of emails we've been getting lately. So keep them coming in, uh, Lucas. I'm going to really need your help on this one. We got this first email comes to us from Dylan. Uh, he has two short questions. Uh, a, my mom is going to Halifax in August with my aunt, her sister. So do you have any suggestions for her on something fun to do while they're there? So think about fun things to do in Halifax in August. In August. So I'm um, a meet- Does it I'm say a- where Dylan's from? Uh, no, I'm not entirely certain. I think Dylan might be one of our American listeners, but I'm not okay. 100% on that. Because mileage may vary. Like, there's a lot of things in Halifax that can be pretty... Uh, unique and interesting if you don't come from another port city. Like, if you're yeah. from Boston, uh, it's going to be pretty much old hat. But if you're, like, from somewhere like, I don't know, Arizona, it's like, oh, go see the Citadel. Go see, mm-hmm. like, all the all the things that are unique to Halifax that's because it's a port city. Look at our big, giant suspension bridge. You know what I mean? The Citadel, the waterfront. Uh, in August, uh, the Buskers Festival will be going oh on Oh, my over goodness. Here. The Buskers Festival. That's on the waterfront, so two birds, one stone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of really good beer gardens, if that's your sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also near also near the waterfront. Um, there is, I mean, ride the ferry. Again, if you're not used to riding a ferry, that's like a big thing for some people. Um, I know that the, some people get a kick out of that. Uh, go to the Freak Lunchbox, get some crazy candy. Yeah, that's um, always fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, go see the Wave. There's the big statue of the Wave. Mm. Uh, a lot of the stuff I'm thinking of is kind of waterfront-based. I'm just trying to think if there's anything Yeah, else. like, while you're on the waterfront, get a beaver tail. If you're American, I'm sure yeah. you've never had a beaver tail before. Uh, get some poutine down at Pizza Corner. Uh, make sure you go to Willie's and not Smokes. I know Willie, uh, Smokes is indoors, but Willie's has the better poutine. Uh, I've, never had, the lo- I've never oh. had Willie's, so I'll, oh, I've, only goodness, had, best- I've only had Smokes. Best poutine in the city is Willie's. Um, uh, Go to the public library, the Central Public Library in downtown Mm. Halifax. Mm -hmm. It is a Mm -hmm. marvel of architecture. Um, We have, I know that there is, I mean, this isn't really a great August thing, but the Museum of Natural History uh, is a pretty cool museum, all things considered. Uh, Same with the Maritime Museum of the Atlantic. Again, you're not used to being around port cities and you don't know about like ship history and stuff. If you want to check out some anchors again, that that stuff would be better if there's like a bad day, like a rainy overcast day. That would be stuff to check out. Um, I'm going to say Point Pleasant Park. If uh, your mom and aunt would like to do some hiking or just uh, go to a very nice green space here in the city. Let me look up when the Halifax Jazz Festival is happening. I think that's July. I think it might actually. be July. Yeah, I think that might be so I'm July. Af- I'm afraid they will have missed that. Anyway, there's generally no shortage of things to do, especially in the summer here in Halifax. That's just a list of a few of them. Um, a great place to look for a listing that's kind of closer to the day would be thecoast.ca. Mm. Uh, uh, wink. 
Wonder what else? Oh, yeah. you could, wonder what else you could do while you're over there. Oh yeah. Speaking of the coast.ca, if you want to log on to bestofhalifax.2018.com or whatever it's called, just Google Coast Best of Halifax 2018. I know we said it before on previous podcasts. Uh, and, 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 scroll- and and I will remind you, we do have the bumper at the beginning of episodes into July 15th. So yes, let's not but- let's not over belay the point too much. <laughs> Still, uh, head on there and uh, make sure you vote for us thank you very much so all right so there's a couple of ideas for you dylan uh he also wants to know now that weed the marijuana is legal in october here in canada uh will you be imbibing on the podcast off um so yes in case in case you weren't aware uh weed has been legalized here in canada marijuana has and it will be coming into effect in october which means that uh our liquor stores will also be carrying uh weed products you'll be able to get it and enjoy it uh legally so that's that's only in nova scotia though i was reading a breakdown of the uh yes the province by province rules and and every province almost every single province has completely different rules when it comes to marijuana uh legislation uh, for instance, like in certain provinces, like I think like Quebec, uh, it is strictly prohibited to uh, consume marijuana outside the comfort of your home. Whereas some place like Manitoba and uh, to some extent here in Nova Scotia, you're allowed to consume marijuana in public spaces. Um, and then all kinds of other rules, like certain provinces like BC will allow private ownership of, uh, uh, marijuana stores, whereas places like Nova Scotia here, they're all government run, um, and so forth and so forth. There's a really great article on vice. If this kind of stuff interests you and you want to see a province by province breakdown, mm-hmm. uh, cause it's a lot more complicated than just snapping your fingers and saying marijuana is now legal. Uh, there's still a ton of regulatory stuff that has to happen. That's up to the provinces. Very much so, and that's a, that's a very good that's a very good breakdown of it. Uh, and of course, you can go further in depth if you're interested. Uh, me personally, I am not much of a much of a smoker. I, I tried it once; it was not for me. So, uh, not on the pod. I, and I and even if I did, I probably would not on the podcast. Though I can't speak for uh, for Lucas if you if you uh. care to share. I, I, I definitely don't think I, I would partake in marijuana during the podcast, but I, I have been known to be uh, a, uh, a resident of Smack City. Uh, <laughs> you know, I have my travel visa, so I, 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 head, I head to Smack City from time to time. Um, but yeah, I don't think I don't think I'll be uh, doing anything during the podcast. Maybe we'll do like we'll. I remember that time when we talked about Space Ghost Coast to Coast after the uh, the guy who was behind it passed away. Maybe yes. we'll do a different Adult Swim show, like an Elwood City Extra, the day that marijuana becomes legal. We'll just uh, <laughs> talk about some Adult Swim show just to celebrate. Uh, no actual partaking, uh, but in the spirit, maybe we'll talk about like C Lab twenty twenty one or something like that. That'd be fun. And uh, I know that that we have a lot of younger listeners out there who, of course, may be more seasoned in it than even than even I or Lucas. So I don't want to, you know, be a buzzkill or anything like that. Just want to say, uh, leave it till you're a bit older, so that your brain your brain can keep developing. Because you know, if you, I, I actually I actually know people who smoked a lot when they were younger, and uh, you know they. Don't got as much going on upstairs, unfortunately, oh my nowadays. <laughs> and, th- and and that's not like, like that's just legit. That's what happened to them. So, anyway, uh, thank you, Dylan, for those questions. We got a couple of emails, uh, kind of related to different episodes, uh, from our last episode that we did on the contest and prove it, uh, from Matt. Um, 
He was saying he was really enjoying hearing about it. He recognized all of the different styles, even though he was quite young uh, when he watched it the first time. Uh, he says, I will say that this episode shows that the brain is no Stevie Richards when it comes to upholding the moral standard in society. So the right to censor brain is not. Oh, my goodness gracious. He even uh, drafted us a uh, a, uh, a potential Hulk Hogan tweet if this uh, episode came out in 2018. You ready for this? Oh, yes. Is it Well, first question, is it signed HH? Yes. Okay. What up, Hulkamaniac? So excited to see a tribute to the Hulkster on Arthur. Man, when I was a kid, brother, Arthur was such an influence on my career and my life. Me and Binky are going to have to tear it up in the ring down the road, brother. I didn't even realize those kids were different animals because I don't see species, dude. Much love, HH. H. <laughs> the much love HH is really the, the proverbial cherry on the cake. Um, that's lovely. Um, thank you for sending that in. He also made a reference to uh, a, uh, to a potential, or rather, I shouldn't say potential, the cover athlete of WWE 2K19 maybe believing uh, things that DW might say, but that's uh, for, not for us to determine. So I, I I really liked the email, Matt. Thanks for thanks for sending it to us. Not only the for- potential cover athlete of uh, 2K19, also you know, um, Kyrie Irving. Mm. Uh, star basketball player for the Boston Celtics and Draymond Green, uh, also a player for the Golden State Warriors. I would say are both tend to believe the kind of things that uh, DW would bring up. The list keeps climbing, and I keep crying. And finally, we have a an email here, an anecdote from new Patreon uh, subscriber Ian Collis. Ian says, I love the Blizzard episode. The way that all of them come together to help one another, very heartwarming. Also, as a Minnesotan, I can relate to the Blizzard's weird weather and bad weathermen. A great recurring joke in this episode. They once canceled after-school activities, and I got a ride from one of my friends. The snow was and had been coming down hard, and I had to look through the back windshield and mirrors for him. We passed many a stuck city bus. Uh, other cars. It was like a disaster movies. The Blizzard is definitely in my top 10 favorite episodes. Thanks, Ian. Uh, I think I, I think as we talk about this episode, we, we, we won't be able to help talking about snow day experiences, especially from our corner of the world. Wouldn't you say, Lucas? Um... <laughs> no, this is... Um, I think it's one of the reasons this episode is so... Uh, I mean, we'll get into this later, but I think one of the reasons I empathize with this episode so much is that it's so unique to our experience uh, based on where we live. It's definitely more of an East Coast thing than a West Coast thing. That's for sure. Uh, And so let's get into it. This is, uh, as we've previously talked about a few times, this is Lucas's favorite episode of Arthur, or is it? It's The Blizzard, uh, which actually starts off in the middle of uh, a complete whiteout situation. It's like you... It's like you're, all your Pokemon fainted when you're playing Pokemon Gold. Uh, and we see a pair of eyes and a nose. And Arthur asks, know what this is? It's a polar bear eating a marshmallow during a snowstorm. It looks like my dog. Yeah, it, it does kind of look like a dog uh, A dog kind of set of features when you see it. But uh, he's, he's a, Maybe I say that because he's a white Alaskan Malamute. And so he's... You, Basically, he looks like this picture. He also looks like the dog from the cover of the Criterion movie White Dog, but my dog's not racist, so. <laughs> um, what's your dog's name again? Uh, Spirit. Spirit, good name. 
Uh, we finally get to actually see Arthur. He's kind of like he's shoveling his way into the frame through snow that is up to his mouth, basically. But it, at the way he's shoveling it, it looks more like he's chopping through the snow. Um, I actually really like the way this is framed. I know it's it's very simple because it's almost like an all-white background uh, with Arthur shoveling. And then when uh, DW shows up, she's also the only other visible character. But it almost reminds me of like a Calvin and Hobbes comic or something. And it's mm-hmm. not something we normally see in the intros. And, and it's very like Arthur's very center-framed, almost like a Wes Anderson movie or something. I thought it was a cool way to start the episode. It is very visual. You're right. It does kind of remind me of something like a comic strip would do, or a comic book for that matter. I like I like uh, I like your Wes Anderson thing too. That I could totally see that. Um, and th- and this just made me think like, what are some of the biggest drifts that you've had to make your way through? Because there's definitely been some that have come up to my chest and in my twenties. And keep in mind, I'm like six feet tall. So uh, I can remember that from a couple winters ago. Yeah, um, a lot of them, I remember, like, uh, later on in this episode, Arthur's dad has a mention about, like, oh, I remember when the snow was over my head. Um, and his mom's like, you were DW, you were younger than DW when that happened. But I remember, like, a lot of times when I was a little kid, like, there was times where, like, we would make a igloo in a snowdrift and then have the igloo collapse on me and my dad have to, like, dig me out because I was completely submerged in snow and stuff like that. Um, for all, all you American listeners... Uh, we live in a part of the country where, I mean, it's not like none of it or something where it's like snowy all the time, but, uh, we have a fairly harsh winter, uh, compared to by our neighbors in the South. Like we can, uh, it's one of those cases where if you've ever been to like, I think a couple years ago, Boston had a snowstorm like this where, um, basically there ends up being so much snow that there's nowhere to put it. And so like, uh, crosswalks and sidewalks, they basically will have like drifts on each side it's like you're walking in between two walls at all times just because we don't have really a place to put the snow once it builds up that much uh this past winter was pretty mild due to global warming we haven't had one of our really harsh winters in a while uh but uh you know we're kind of infamous for having our uh intermittent weather well in fact when you when you and i were quite a bit younger we would have had uh the the blizzard that sticks in my mind is i believe it was 2004 Four, maybe five, when we had four might have been original one. If you're, if I know what you're that, referring that, to, that's that's what I was, that's what I was going to say is that we had a hurricane pass through in a September uh, called Hurricane One, which is not typical for our for our side of uh, the world. And then the winter after that, we had a blizzard that was so bad it was deemed White One because it was as bad as the hurricane. And the drifts, I'm not kidding you, were like up to the second floor of my house. Yeah, and those, I mean, you talked earlier about Point Pleasant Park. Um, those two uh, environmental events actually c- caused permanent damage to, like, some of our national parks that exist to this day. Like, Point Pleasant Park was completely decimated uh, by Hurricane Juan and stuff like that. And I remember my biggest memory of that time was, similar to this episode, uh, just the power being out for five days straight and me being bummed I couldn't watch TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's and that is where the episode starts. Is that there's a small there's like a flurry going on outside, and Arthur's excited that it could cancel snow the next day. Uh, even though the even though we get again as kind of I think it was Ian uh, said the weather the weather guy in this episode not very good. Just said it's going to be a light dusting. They wake up the next day, it's still snowing, and it's also covered. And uh, just gives me a a, a quick. A quick little boost of uh, the joy of snow days, those memories. 
Mm, yeah, yeah. Nowadays, to see if the snow day, you just check the school's website. But back in the day, you had to listen to those radio alerts. It uh, was it it and more than that, it was it was just like the joy of of uh, for me. It was my mother walking into my room and just saying no school, and then of course being too excited to sleep, even though. I, I'm always like, I would love to sleep more on a snow day. But, of course, once you hear it's a snow day, you're too excited. Uh, unfortunately, the the Arthur kids are robbed of that joy. They still have to go to school. Uh, and we see Francine sort of complaining about how she was hoping it was a snow day, so she didn't finish her report on the – are they the Pilgrims? The Pioneers. The Pioneers. Excuse me. The Pioneers. Um, Oregon Trail and all that jazz. Uh, and she describes the pioneers as D U U U L L L dull. That's a good a one. I wrote, burn. That, I wrote that down too. I also wanted to note that since Lucas and I have both worked in radio before, uh, if we were the ones saying on the radio that school was not canceled in the wake of the snow outside, we would be. Uh, we would be tarred and feathered, basically, by all of the parents saying, why don't you cancel school? Or, or conversely, sometimes school would be canceled, and, be, and it would be like, well, why are they canceling it now? It's not that bad. So you, it's a game you really can't win, especially in the age of social media. Yeah, so you're right. One of the plot points of this episode is Francine's report on the Pioneers, a one-page report that she wouldn't finish, which, you know, cry me a river. But uh, the power goes out at the school, and Principal Haney declares that they have to close down because the storm is getting worse outside. Uh, and Francine thinks this is going to get her out of writing her report, but uh, unfortunately, her punishment from Ratburn is that she has to write a three-page report while everybody uh, has fun in the snow. But we get we even get a line from Buster here while he's making a snow angel of like, Francine complaining that she has to write a new report of just like that wouldn't have happened if you'd done your report on time and he just eats a snowball in the face, which yeah. he's, he's totally right. It's almost unlike Buster to make a comment like that, though. It's interesting. You know, you messed up when Buster's the voice of reason. <laughs> I think it's probably like finally he's the person who d- who's not getting in trouble for not doing an assignment. So he's just lording it over Francine, which is kind of a crummy thing to do, but also pretty funny. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, the storm kind of gets worse as the episode goes on. I have a, I have a note here, and I don't remember what it's for. I said, it's amazing how ignorant kids slash people can be, and I don't know. Oh, actually, it's because of Francine's attitude toward the pioneers. She, she was just like, and it's like, it, they're so boring to read about. Why didn't they stay where they are, invent airplanes, and just, uh, and just leave or something like that? She really doesn't understand what the, what they were going through it doesn't have a lot of empathy for those pioneers. Elwood, the Elwood City Elementary School needs to invest in some Apple II computers with Oregon Trail installed on them because once you <laughs> once you play Oregon Trail, you empathize with the plight of the pioneers uh, like no other. Uh, never try and ford the river. Never. We do. Uh, we do get a, a funny cutaway here where Kate and Pal are watching the snow come down, and uh, they both imagine funny, each other. Funny as, in quotations. Some might say funny, and some might say down, downright bizarre. Well, this this was one thing that I always remembered. I remembered this line. So it's like Pal driving the sled to get Kate to the North Pole, and Santa's there, and he says, Welcome to Toyland, Kate. But the one I remembered is the opposite, where Pal's in the sled and Kate's uh pulling it and then santa has a barbecue going and he's dinner time pal 
And I always yeah. remembered that line, but I didn't know where it was from. So I'm glad to remember it. The imagery of Kate pulling Pal is just, it's just, mwah. I'm glad they got that in. Because I could see people be like, should we draw this? Sure. <laughs> um, uh, but that's one of the, I'll say that now. One of the strengths of this episode is um, it's not really an ensemble episode because... Uh, Francine's more so the the keystone, the the center of the episode. It's sort of her learning to appreciate the struggles of the pioneers. But there's so many great character moments sprinkled throughout, and one of those is this moment with Kate and Pal. And there isn't really another one after this. But like, there's a lot of stuff with uh, uh, Prunella and uh, the Brain. Um, there's some stuff with DW. There's there's some great stuff with Arthur's dad and Muffy's dad, and also just like cutbacks to the crosswires there's all these great and of course um we'll get into this later but the teachers uh at the school there's all kinds of great little character bits of like how do each one of these characters deal with the storm sprinkled throughout without it actually being an ensemble episode yeah it's weird it's it's, it's it is almost like a different kind of episode we and like you said we almost get more character in here than in those other quote-unquote ensemble episodes it's funny how they were able to do that here uh, Francine's power goes out. She can't do her essay because she's writing it on the computer. It just reminded me that how it took me a long time to switch from writing essays longhand to doing it typed, and I don't remember why. I think I was just reluctant to try to learn Microsoft Word when I was younger, but I remember ri- writing writing essays out well into like junior high, maybe even high school. Really? Like, and teachers would accept that? Yeah, until it was until I got teachers that were like, "You have to type this." I'm like, "Oh man!" See, t- my teachers. I'm a little bit younger than you, but teachers got wise to people writing out essays because you could just make the font super big, and they'd be like, "There's my one page essay." Try to write the words with like uh, uh, two lines, like make your your capital letters like two lines high. Um, teachers got wise to it real quick. Put three spaces in between each line, all that kind of stuff. Um, so they made you use Microsoft Word purely to make it so it was harder to just fill the page. I would think it would be easier to cheat that with Microsoft Word, though, because you can definitely ah. do that where it's a little less perceptible. It, it's true, like, if you want to make, oh, my line spaces are, like, 2.5 as opposed to 2, uh, but you still, like, you could, if you're writing a handwritten essay, um, it's going to just fill up way quicker than if you were writing it on a computer most times. Like, maybe it's because my handwriting's so messed up and blocky and crazy, yeah. but I found that, like, if I was to handwrite an essay and then retype it up, it would go from filling an entire page to being, like, three paragraphs that wouldn't even fill a whole page. The, there is a there is a bit here where one of, the, one of the groups we focus on is three of the teachers. It's Mr. Ratburn, Mr. Haney, and Mr. Morris as... Both Ratburn and Haney's cars are, like, frozen, and they're trying to give them a jump start, and Mr. Morris comes out as the storm's getting worse, and he uh, enacts janitorial law in order to keep them keep them there, both to keep them safe and because they have to keep yeah, the pipes in, in from Yeah, in accordance with the custodian union, yeah. uh, he enacts janitorial law, and they, Mr. Ratburn and Mr. Haney both have excuses. Mr. Ratburn says... Uh, I have to go home and finish my lesson plan for tomorrow. And Mr. Haney goes, but I'm hungry. Yeah, that's his joke through the whole episode is, I'm hungry. Uh, uh, <laughs> I got to say, this whole subplot with Mr. Haney, Mr. Rapper. one of the reasons why this is my favorite episode is this subplot with Mr. Haney, Mr. Rapper, and Mr. Morris. Just because I feel like besides 
I can't think of another time where we have a subplot that's just adults. Usually all the other subplots involve one of the main kids. Mm. I think this is the first adult-only subplot, and it's hilarious. Something about, like, Mr. Hades' character, like, I just get such a kick out of his, like, reluctance, even though he's the principal. Like, he just wants to go home. He doesn't care about the school at all. He doesn't care if the pipes freeze. He just wants to leave. Yeah, Mr. Ratburn cares more about the school. Like, when Mr. Morris tells him the pipes could freeze and they need to help him, he just, like, his eyes go wide and just, like, we can't let that happen. Yeah. Think, like, this this storm is no is no joke. Uh, we, do get a, we do get a quick uh, aside here of Prunella using, like, a Ouija board. Uh, this is another great, this is another great moment of, like, and this is a... Uh, a concept that Arthur's been tackling a lot lately um, is, you know, the sort of mystical pseudoscience versus hard actual fact. And this is a pretty comical scene where uh, she's using the Ouija board to try and, um, oh, what is she trying to figure out right here? It's like, is it just the weather? She's trying to figure yeah, out if the like storm's going to get snow, worse? The snow will stop soon and you will meet a tall, dark stranger. And then so Brain goes, I'm going to check with the experts, thank you very much. And he turns on the radio, and then we see the the, the, the radio DJ from the uh, the Binky episode with the Van Binky saying, the storm, uh, he go, the storm will continue, and you're going to meet a tall, dark stranger. And you see that he's using the Ouija board as well to get his results. Um, and... Also, and also, like Mister Mister Atbird and Mister Haney are like being put to work by Mister Morris again to keep the pipes from freezing, and Mister Haney keeps saying that he's hungry, and Mister Morris goes, "I got plenty of beans for us all," which causes the other teachers to just kind of go, "Ugh!" But I was like, "What's wrong with beans, man? If you're hungry, you're hungry, and really, beans are not like the worst thing in the world." They're not the worst thing in the world, but I guess it depends on what kind of beans. Like, are we talking about some Heinz? You know. Uh, molasses, or are we talking about just some like a can of lima beans? It's definitely a can. They're they're heating cans with lighters later. Mm, mm. We get a sequence where the uh, freezing rain insults like the storm is getting worse and worse. It's switched now from straight up snow to freezing rain, and the uh, the background art of the freezing rain is really really cool. It can be different difficult to draw in a cartoon the difference between snow and freezing rain because they're just kind of both white stuff coming from the sky, but um, the way they draw the freezing rain sort of caking everything and everything kind of freezing over artistically is really cool, and I appreciated it a lot. Not just freezing over, but, like, this is when the storm turns, like, apocalyptic because, like, cars... All the transformers start exploding, yeah. yeah. like, power lines are falling onto cars, the transformer falls down, and then, like, a bunch of power goes out, and there's, like, explosions in the sky. Uh, Francine's dad almost gets hit by a telephone pole. Yeah, it's uh, it hits the car next to him, but he almost gets hit. And then we get a line from DW that says, uh, "Mommy, Daddy, the town is exploding, and it's very pretty." Yeah, it's like I mean, as bad as our blizzards have been, I don't think it's ever come to that. Although, you know, bl- a blizzard is one thing; freezing rain on top of a blizzard is just hell sometimes. Just Arthur's aw- just awful. Uh, Arthur's parents still have power, so Arthur's dad, thinking ahead, uh, pulls the move of going to the grocery store to stock up on perishables, uh, milk, eggs, and bread, uh, but the shelves are all empty. It's like, have you ever gone to a Costco or something like that before a storm, Will? Everybody, or even not even before a storm, I've figured, like, if you go to the grocery store before Canada Day or a day where, like, there's going to be celebrations and also the store is going to be closed for a day, you want to talk about ap- apocalyptic 
people are like, the store's going to be closed for one day. I have to go. And like <laughs> people are waiting in huge lines at the grocery stores. Um, it but, was, uh, it's oh. been good the last couple of the last couple of years when I worked in radio because you know I would get off early enough in the morning that everybody would be at work before the day before like a blizzard was supposed to come so I just buy my stuff and and be out of there but totally uh, like even if you're just going to buy storm chips or something uh, then you just get wrapped up with everybody who's just trying to batten down the hatches. Uh, speaking of getting wrapped up with everybody uh so arthur's dad is trying to get the last loaf of bread he gets empty-handed because mr crosswire has cleaned the store out uh and as he's walking away he's like giggling to himself maniacally yeah uh, he, he like ar- he basically arm bars a bunch of perishables into his into his grocery cart and it's just like it's like that it's like that's all there is. Sorry. <laughs> he also says something about how deliveries aren't happening anymore, as if he was getting like Uber Eats. Uh, <laughs> he was he was task rabbiting his groceries to his house, which would be a very Mister Crosswire thing to do. Uh, but yeah, I thought this was a great moment of like Mister Crosswire cartoonishly laughing to himself as he walks away with all the perishables. Yeah, and it's not uh, like he's evil. He's just like opportunistic. We get my favorite. Uh, my favorite five-minute stretch in the entire episode here where we cut back to the adults in the school trying to keep the pipes from freezing. Uh, and we learn that they're going to have to stay there overnight. They're kind of trying to use these lighters to both warm up the beans and also keep the pipes warm. Uh, and Mr. Haney, in frustration, sort of yells to the heavens, I hate school, which Mr. Rappert is so deeply disturbed by that he sort of jumps up and waves his arms out and says he didn't mean it to appease the gods of school uh and that mr haney is sort of emotionally broken at this point and he goes i want to go home beans and this this whole sequence i remember it was funny back then and it's still funny now it just it is so funny (laughs) to me uh and then it's followed up by another banger which is we cut back to the Crosswire's house, and the power's got out, and uh, Muffy's, like, beside herself being like, make it be fixed, Daddy. Oh, she's and her so whiny here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And her, but she just totally does not understand that, like, the way power works, because yeah. her dad's like, I'm sorry, it can't be fixed. And he's like, very funny. Make it be fixed, Daddy. Pay someone. Uh, and then Mr. Crosswire's like, there's some things money can't fix, which is, like, completely destroys her worldview. These two sequences back-to-back are, like, the two funniest sort of subplots in the entire episode so it's it's it really something special he calls her honey wallet which is honey, uh, honey wallet uh yeah and at this point uh you know our arthur's dad goes to uh, walk grandma thora back to their house and this is where every, everybody kind of starts to come together because arthur's house is one of the only ones with power so like along the way uh they pick up buster and his mom and they walk uh to our back to Arthur's house together, and they pick up the Frenskies, and sooner Even or later, Arthur's we, dad uh, didn't have any um, didn't have any perishables. Everybody brought what they had from their house, so he's going to make them a big stew. Mm-hmm. This is and this is where I, I was kind of getting swept up in the uh, in the community of it all, which is what Ian mentioned in his email, which is what this episode kind of encourages is like a sense of community among people, and like these are all cast members that we've seen you know, on their own, you know, the Frensky family, Buster and his mom and all this kind of stuff. But now we see them all together just, like, doing their thing. Brain's parents are in there. Prunella's uh, family's there, too. 
And it just it just kind of feels cool that like everybody's coming together in this very old school way and uh, just helping one another out and being there for each other. It's 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 uh, it's heartwarming in a way, and it only gets more heartwarming as the episode goes along. Um, the uh, eventually Arthur's house does lose power, and uh, did. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm not sure this this might be an Arthur meme alert. I feel like I've seen this somewhere, but uh, DW is just like, oh no, we're out of power and and there's a blizzard outside. We're all gonna die in a heap. Yeah, she says we have no power. This is the most horrible time of my whole life. We're gonna die in a heap. And and the, Dad gets a couple of good asides in this episode, and he just goes, "Thank you for that vote of confidence, D.W." <laughs> he goes, uh, uh, I, "We can use the fire stove to heat up the stew." Uh, and D.W.'s like, "Great, we're not gonna starve. We're gonna freeze." Uh, and uh, to which Mister Frensky says, uh, uh, "You know, put a put on your." coats and uh make a circle around the fire and there, there's a great line here so buster earlier said that he like tried to practice the tuba but his lips got stuck to to it for two hours yeah so mr friends so mr mr friends he's like put on your coats and huddle around the fire and buster says and don't try to practice the tuba Which uh, I and was- then someone asks about the whereabouts of the crosswires uh, and then Arthur's dad, it's great to see, like, this is very humanizing of Arthur's dad. Like, usually in Arthur, the Arthur universe, like, people just kind of put up with the crosswires, even though in real life you'd be like, wow, that's so rude that Mr. Crosswire grabbed that bread out of my hands. But we get this great editorialization from Arthur's dad sort of being like, uh, the crosswires, they probably figured out some way to stay warm that we couldn't even afford, sort of subtweeting them. But then we get this smash cut to the crosswires literally running around, like, in hysterics uh which is is just great comedy yeah that was a that was a good joke (laughs) like there's a there's a couple of these in these episodes where it just immediately cuts to something else uh immediately going against what somebody said and that was one of them so they invite the crosswires over but uh mr crosswire ed doesn't bring uh the food with him uh and (laughs) arthur's dad says i'm sure there's enough stew for everyone and uh mr crosswire kind of makes a bit of a disgusted face um, I, I noted here that like, man, of compared to other episodes, like this episode moves at a real clip, like a lot happens in the 12 minutes that this episode goes on for, uh, we get, we, we're starting to enter into a montage here where Francine eventually puts it together that like the pioneers are essentially, essentially did what they're doing now. They relied on each other. Uh, they, they split what they have in order to survive in harsh times like these. And she like, finally is able to understand them a lot better. And we get a montage of, you know, everybody uh, eating stew together, having community, just kind of talking with each other. Arthur's playing the piano and they're dancing. Uh, and then eventually we get, we get the next day. Yeah. Eventually the, the snow stops uh, and everybody shovels out. Then it's like, uh, they're helping out with the down power line. Mr. Crosswire gets back to his mansion and brings the groceries. They dig out the school and Mr. Haney explodes. Right, right, right. The... Yeah. So they, they, they dig out the school and Mr. Haney, like he's one of the Chilean miners, uh, <laughs> bursts out of the front door. It's sobbing with tears that he's being rescued from the school. And Mr. Ratbird just has this embarrassed look on his face. <laughs> 
I, I will say also there's a part where like everybody's kind of talking with each other and uh, um, Prunella is using her Ouija board again to say the, st- the snow will stop soon. I love the visual gag of her using her bowl of stew as the like Ouija thing that you like the token or the whatever the whatever you call it the thing you move around the board she's just using her she's using her bowl of stew um yeah so everybody helps to pitch in and then eventually the power comes back on which is kind of the gag there of the radio presenter coming back of just like if your power is out stay tuned to the station we'll tell you when it's going to be turned back on again (laughs) and here we get the final minute of this episode you're not going to understand this immediately, but this is what I wrote down. I wrote, it's the final destination four of endings. Oh, no, no. I, I, I'm I aware of what final destination. I know what you're referring to. So, kids, spoilers. Is that final destination five? No, it's, it's not final destination. It's the fourth one. The, okay. fi- the final destination. Um, so, spoilers for the fourth entry in the final destination series. Kids, you're fine. Uh, otherwise, otherwise, I mean, watch them and laugh, but you're not missing anything. Uh it turns out that like Final Destination 4 was a secret prequel to the first movie. And at the end of the movie, they get on the plane, and it's the plane from the beginning of Final, of Final Destination. Destination 1. It's, when I saw that, I was like, this is nuts. <laughs> and then the, the, fin- the final minute of this episode, it turns out that this blizzard was the blizzard that gave DW her snowball. That's right. This was the, uh, the as DW says, the best day of her life. Um, cause we see that moment from the snowball episode in season one where she's like, this is the best day of my life and I want to remember it forever. But now we have the context of it was the day after the blizzard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why she saves the snowball. And so some deep callbacks into Arthur lore, again, stuff like this just makes the show, the world of the show seem so much less, uh, uh, week to week and so much more real mm-hmm. and, and, and breathing and, and uh, gives it so much more continuity. So I love stuff like this. Yeah, you're, um, it's the exa- it's the exact same clip from the season one episode. They just redubbed DW's voice to her current voice actor. Yeah, which is a, a great detail. Yeah, uh, great, a great touch. No, no, it's it's really cool because we haven't really seen any DW stuff besides like little quips in the rest of the episode, and so this is a great like little bit at the end after sort of after Francine's like grown and and realized the struggle of the uh, pioneers. This is just a little tidbit at the end to. Uh, appease the fans and let us know that yes it's all they they they're paying attention to the continuity just as much as we are time is a flat circle that's the end of the blizzard and we go right now into one that is kind of almost a maybe a side story of something like that it's the rat who came to dinner uh (laughs) this cold open is great like oh my god i they they're getting more creative with the cold opens like i think I remember the first two or so seasons, I was kind of disappointed with the cold opens. It's a lot of Arthur Ferris Bueller-ling in Medias Res and being like, how did I end up here? Or this is my friend, they do this. Uh, But now they're starting to get a little bit weirder with the cold opens between the... um, the, the sort of whiteout one from the start of uh, the blizzard to now this being John Malkovich, or should I say being Mr. Rappern, mm-hmm. uh, cold open for the rat that came to dinner. Yeah, where it's like Arthur goes to find his dad and he's like working on some uh, some chickens or something in the uh, in his uh, in, in the garage. But it tur- he turns around and it's Arthur's dad's character model, but Mr. Ratburn's face and speaking to him like he, Arthur's like, oh, hi, Mr. Ratburn. I was looking for my dad. And he's like, very funny, Arthur. Now help me stuff these chickens. And then he goes to see his mom, and it's the same story. It's mom's character model with Mr. Ratburn's face and his voice. 
like he's not doing a woman's voice he's just doing the mr ratburn voice he accidentally runs into dw and it's again mr ratburn and arthur's just freaked out at this point he's like what's going on where's my fam- where's my family and then he looks at pal and <laughs> it's pal with mr ratburn's face and mr ratburn's voice actor going woof woof and arthur oh sc- screams himself awake I also want to make sure that I get a screen cap here of, uh, you know, the cold open ends with uh, with Arthur being like, it's like something like, isn't it weird when you see teachers outside of school and then Mr. Ratburn comes in and he's like, hey, Arthur, if you don't hurry up, me and DW are going to eat all these blueberry waffles that your dad made. Uh, and I also want to make sure I got, I made sure to get a screen cap of Art of Ratburn dad entering a room with just his hand in a chicken. Just carrying it with him. I know. There's something very Mr. Bean's Christmas about that imagery. The episode starts off with Mr. Ratburn in his house, and we get a big return here. Did you notice? Oh, yeah. Uh, what's his name, though? I can never remember his name. It's Gunky. Gunky's Gunky. back. Gunky's back. A couple things about Gunky. One, he's rocking the overalls. I recently purchased a pair of overalls for myself, so really? Gunky-style icon. Um, secondly... If there's one thing I love, Will, it's contractor humor. Um, and the way they have Gunky be like, yep, so your problem is here. Like, I was rolling. There's there's few things I find as funny as contractor jokes. So Gunky doing the perfect contractor. Yeah, oh, see, that's your problem. You got a... What you got up there is you got uh, snow on your roof. I'm going to have to get my guy to come look at it. The quote's going to be about two grand. I'm going to have a guy, going to have to order in some parts. It's going to be another 400 and uh, yeah, but I'm going to give you a good deal. Listen, you can talk to the guy down the street. He's going to tell you the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, so Gunky sort of gives it rapper uh, the deets that he's got snow on the roof, but the uh, roof should hold until the snow melts away. Then he's going to fix it. And of course, in typical contractor fashion, they turn around on their heels, uh, and the roof immediately collapses. Yeah, exactly. And so, it, it Mr. Ratburn is uh, out of, is needs to find somewhere else to live for a little while. Um, we cut back to Arthur at his house. He is watching one of his favorite shows, Dunce Patrol, which is literally just a single st- static shot of three uh, hip. 90s 20 somethings who are just looking at each other going duh well duh duh well duh and mom comes in and says that show is so dumb (laughs) this was great this is this is just like a fun little like the the mom saying that show is so dumb and then arthur being like it's fun to kick back watch some dumb guys and not think of Mr. Rapper an all weekend. I think the Dunce Patrol would probably drink a lot of OK Soda. Do you remember OK Soda? I don't. I should Google OK Soda. It was a failed soda brand uh, trying to appeal to Gen Xers. Uh, and it had a very, like, it, the whole vibe was like, oh, who cares? Buy the soda. Don't buy the soda. It's OK. It's OK <laughs> Soda. And I feel like the Dunce Patrol would be way into it. Well, and of course, capitalizing on the fact that back in the late in the ni- in the '90s, "duh" was uh, v- a lot more popular than it is now. Now, "duh" is just kind of a word. Mm. Back back then, it was like, "No, duh, dude," <laughs> kind of thing. Um, Mom comes in to tell uh, Arthur that uh, Mister that the roof of Mister Ratburn's house collapsed, and Arthur's not even paying attention. He just goes like, "A oh, that's too bad." 
<laughs> and she's like, I knew you'd feel that way, so I said he could come stay here. Arthur's like, already got her tuned out because he's watching Duds Patrol so much. And then, so we get a great dere- relay- delayed, excuse me, we get a great delayed reaction uh, from Arthur, who sort of does a double take that he's like, what? Yeah, he's just like, mm-hmm. Ah! Kind of, <laughs> like, takes a minute to think about it. Uh, so he is very, very much against it, but uh, he, but uh, his parents want to offer that courtesy to Mr. Ratburn. Uh, the, Arth- the performance from Arthur's uh, voice actor, I feel like we always mention when, like, someone gives a really standout performance, uh, and we haven't mentioned, like, an Arthur one in a while, but the performance from Ar- Arthur's voice actor is, like, incredible in this episode, because there's a lot of changes in, like, okay, now Arthur's high energy, now Arthur's low energy, so Arthur's complaining about this in this very specific way, and there's a lot of really specific timing in making all of Arthur's lines land, like, for instance, the gap in between his reaction and it's all executed perfectly it's a real strong arthur performance like later on when he's talking to his parents and he's trying to convince them not to let our uh mr rapper stay arthur's parents being very responsible they're like the man's got nowhere to stay arthur and arthur just goes are there no hotels so callous of him <laughs> he's just incredibly freaked out by his teacher invading his personal space and he's just like he can't that's right and- touching my stuff drinking from our cups and then later he he's talking with Buster and Buster is with him like in being disgusted. Uh, he's just like it's like there has to be like a separation between school and home, and and Arthur sees that as like infallible. And this is this is my favorite yeah. joke of the whole episode. It's he's he just goes, of course they'll have my parents will have to understand. Immediate cut to him in his gar- in his basement. How can you not understand? Like, I cannot do it justice. It's very visual and timing-based, and I kind of ruined it there. So you have to go back and see it for yourself. But it was hilarious. Arthur's <laughs> logic here is also, it's very um, uh, the two Georges, Relationship George and Fred George from that episode of Seinfeld, yeah. where George's girlfriend starts hanging out with Elaine, and he's like, worlds are colliding, they can't collide! Well, and he, Arthur even says, it goes against nature. <laughs> Uh, he even has like a seer, like a, a montage of like what it would be like to live with Mr. Ratburn. So he feels like it's just going to be like school or Francine says it'll be like taking a test all the time. So like he's eating cereal and then Mr. Ratburn's like, Ratburn comes in. He's like, quick, what? Seven times eight. Or like he's trying to watch Bionic Bunny and Mr. Ratburn does the, this is your brain. This is your brain. When you watch TV and it's like Junk air letting TV. out of a balloon and just, just hounding him for nonstop homework. So he can't imagine how it could be different. Although he does try and appeal to Mr. Ratburn a little bit, he decides to borrow some posters and videos and books from the brain in order to make himself appear more more intelligent. So, like, he replaces a poster on his bed with, like, a poster of Albert Einstein that says E equals MC squared. Uh, when Mr. Ratburn comes in and looks at his tape library, uh, he or rather, his it's, it's books, uh, so he has books like Spline Extrusion and the Copernican Universe Model. What does I'm just gonna look up quick. What does what is Spline? I'm gonna look up the Copernican Universe Model. You look up Spline Extrusion. Reti- I know about I know about reticulating splines from when you're loading a Sim City city. Spline is a rectangular key fitting into grooves in the hub and shaft of a wheel or a slat. 
the Copernicus. Uh, the Copernican universe okay, model. Yeah, Copernican heliocentrism is a name given to the astronomical model developed by Nicholas Copernicus and published in 1543. It's positioned the sun near the center of the universe motionless with Earth and other planets orbiting around it in circular paths modified by epicycles and at uniform speeds. And there you go. Uh, Mr. Ratburn seems... Uh, a little, I guess, bemused at this. Um, when when he enter when he Mr. Ratburn enters the story and like lives in the house, he has some pretty good interactions with D.W., who continually gets his name wrong. I I wrote down. Yeah. yeah. So he, he immediately comes in the foyer and uh, she's like, "Hey, hi, look at me!" And like in the mix, in the audio mix, they kind of turn down D.W. So you can almost barely hear. Like there's conversations happening over her doing this, but she's like continuously going, "Hey, hi, hi, look at me, look at me." Yeah. Just being an annoying kid. And so I've got the list of names here. She calls him Mr. Ratbite, Mr. Ropeburn, Mr. Ragburp, and Mr. Rathead. Never calls him by, is never able to get Ratburn down. One of the first things she says directly to him is she goes, Mr. Ratbite, is it true what Arthur always says about you hating all children? (laughs) Arthur immediately uh, shoos her away. Eventually, we do get to peek a little bit behind the curtain of what Mr. Ratburn is like when he's not at school. Uh, it's it's funny. He walks into the TV room. Arthur's watching Bionic Bunny. He immediately turns it to a show that is, Today, we watch grass grow in real time. As if, like, I wonder he, if there is a, a YouTube stream right now that's watch grass grow. I'm going to type in grass grow, and then I'm going to search by live on YouTube because I guaranteed in the current world we live in of 24-7 hip-hop beats – there's got to be a grass growing live stream. Grass grow. Uh, let's see. And search by filter by. Oh, okay. There's a video that's ten hours of grass growing. That doesn't. Uh, that doesn't see. surprise me. The li- I'd say the ten hours one is yeah, probably easier. Yeah. So there's to come there's no one. there's no live stream right now, but there is if you're, you're if you want to watch grass grow. There is a ten hours of watching grass grow video that was uh, posted four months ago. Apparently, it is a sequel to a video of paint drying. Okay. Uh, because of because of course there is, uh, D- Mr. Ratburn has an interaction with D.W. where she's like, so, so the school roof fell in, and he's like, no, the roof to my home, and she's like, you're a teacher, you live at the school, and he's and he says, teachers don't live at school, D.W., which prompts a, the world seemed so simple before this moment, just Mr. Ratburn in uh, he's wearing his plain clothes, he's not mm-hmm. dressed in his patented green suit and uh, brown khakis he gets a, um, he gets a c right a costume change uh he dresses like mac DeMarco. okay uh that's that's that that's mr the closest style comparison i can make with his stonewashed jeans and his gray gas station t-shirt tucked in uh with a black belt he just kind of looks like mac DeMarco to me okay uh so mr atburn says to arthur i thought you might enjoy watching one of my favorite videos and Arthur thinks it's going to be a very educational experience, but no, it's actually the Arthur Universe version of Scooby-Doo. It's called Spooky Poo, mm. which is basically like if Scooby-Doo were a kangaroo. They even have like a knockoff of the Scooby-Doo Where Are You theme song, which is actually pretty close. Um, and Arthur's parents kind of rush into the room because it's it's in the Arthur lore. It's like a show that would have been on when all the adults were kids. And so Arthur's mom's all excited. She's like, I haven't seen this since I was like nine. 
And I loved this at the time when this episode aired because uh, that was when Teletoon was first starting out and they didn't have enough original programming to fill their blocks. So at 6 o'clock and 6.30, that was when Scooby-Doo was on. And I watched that every day and I loved it when I was 10 years old. And uh, so I remember watching this and being like, Arthur and Scooby-Doo, my worlds are colliding. Uh, We get this actually great montage of just like how uh, Arthur slowly finds out how Mr. Ratburn is a person. Like they're just watching spooky poo. Uh, He shows Arthur how to do a magic trick. Uh, Arthur's dad bakes a cake for him. And of course that capitalizes on Mr. Ratburn's well-known, well-documented love of cake. Yeah, another great callback of, like, I love it. Every time, whenever Mr. Rapper delivers the line of cake, oh, we're having cake? So it it really, this episode fleshes out Mr. Rapper in a way that I love. He's just kind of, like, this quirky guy who genuinely loves education, but he's also, like, a normal sort of guy. Like, there's a point where Arthur just goes, he watches cartoons? Which is is funny today because it's, like, it's way more acceptable for an adult to, like, watch animation but back in the day and especially when you're young it must seem like earth shattering Mm, mm, definitely uh so meanwhile at school his friends are very concerned uh that you know arthur's life is falling apart because mr ratburn's living with him um but you know he comes to school then after the weekend he's like no actually he taught me a magic trick we had fun and they're still very concerned about him the concern quickly switches to jealousy because you know uh on a recent assignment Everybody kind of got a lousy grade, except for Arthur, who got an A, and now he's starting to get some ridicule that he's the teacher's pet, which I related to at that time because there were a couple of grades where I was considered the teacher's pet. Oh, my goodness. Really? Oh, yeah, because, like, I was, I was you know, nice. I was polite. I, you know— did extra stuff for the teacher and it like it wasn't as a it wasn't as an opportunity for me to suck up or like get better grades it was just like i was a i was a friendly kid and i tr- and i trusted authority so uh i it, i guess generally teachers kind of liked me uh, francine kind of stirs the pot that that might be what's going on and so his friends kind of turn against him like this kind of making snide comments like i don't want to get between you and your new friend um Fern Fern makes a drawing of him that Brain gives to him of Rat and Rat Jr. And then At this be- point, I was like, this is almost all hard to watch. Like, the way they're all dogpiling, even Arthur's close friend Buster. Um, it's been a while. I feel like the kids have all been pretty nice to each other for all of season four. Like, it's been a while since we've had, like, some straight-up bullying going on. And this was almost hard to watch. Like, gosh, they're really dogpiling onto Arthur. Yeah, it really brings you back to, like, the first episode where this was a lot more common. But, yeah, it seems weird that this would happen all kind of out of nowhere and a little dispro- and definitely a little disproportionate. And then finally, Binky, the bluntest of them all, just throws a snowball at Arthur and goes, Teacher's pet, teacher's pet, something, something, something that rhymes with pet. Binky's trying out for his new, he could be a SoundCloud rapper. <laughs> something, something, something rhymes with a pet, something, something rhymes with a pet. <laughs> Hey, did you Hey, no, he, no, he could just do a just get Drake to do the remix. Teach us pet, teach us pet, <laughs> teach us pet. I got a teacher. I got a pet. Yeah, yeah. I got a pet. Yeah, yeah. Scar, scar. 
<laughs> but you know what? Arthur Arthur does a really mature thing that I did not expect him to do in this situation. Usually in previous episodes where we've sort of had everybody v Arthur, uh, Arthur kind of tries to deal with the situation himself. Uh, but he does the really responsible adult thing, and he immediately brings it to his parents. He brings he shows them the picture. You know, he sits his parents down. They're concerned, and they sort of try and talk through the situation with him, which is not really something we've seen him do in terms of like dealing with awkward social situations with his friends. So it was good to see that. Even though he doesn't really heed their advice, it's an interesting exchange because his parents try and help him the best they can and be like, you know, just wait it out. They'll move on to something else. And Arthur's like, he's got a great line about like, how long has it been since you were kids? Because they offer like, maybe we should get Mr. Rapper to talk to him. And he's like, no, that'll just make it worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, really interesting conversation. Yeah, you're right. You you don't normally see this because, of course, when schoolyard matters, it's normally uh, you know discouraged to talk to your parents about it. But that is the first place that he goes. But probably because he's got nobody else to talk to about it. Thankfully, he does talk to somebody, which eventually involves Mister Ratburn. Because uh, I like this quick this quick little gag of just like I, he he comes in, he says, "I couldn't help it over here." Because DW gave me this juice can and told me to listen. Then Arthur looks behind him and sees the other end of like a can on a string. Um, so, you know, Arthur kind of lay, lays it out there of just like he can't have Mr. Ratburn talk to him. And Mr. Ratburn says, how He's can also we... got a great idea about how he can make this all go away if Mr. Ratburn gave him an F on purpose. Yeah, exactly. That's our, that's Arthur's foolproof idea. But uh, m- m- uh, Mom, Dad, Mr. Ratburn are not exactly hot on that idea. And Arthur's just like... It would go a lot faster if you just give me an F. <laughs> Which so was... it sound logic. It would work. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, so, you know, mom, mom eventually says, just act normal and eventually they'll stop, which is typical parent advice. But it, not, not really a solution comes of this until the next day when Arthur is still getting teased in the cafeteria. Mr. Ratburn comes up to him and he says, Arthur, thank you for letting me stay at your house, but I'm actually not going to be staying there anymore. I want I want to be closer to the school, uh, so I uh, so Francine's parents have asked me to stay with her, and then after after a week with them, I'm going to be staying with Binky's family, and who knows, maybe I'll stay with Buster's and Muffy's, and just kind of leaves leaves them with that lingering threat, and we even get like a repeat of the line from earlier from Binky where he's like Mr. Ratburn in my house touching my stuff. And every, everybody immediately goes to Arthur just like, what was it like? How can we deal with it? And then Arthur's suddenly in the position of power and decides to be nice and gives him some advice on what living with Mr. Ratburn's going to be like. And that's the end of the episode. All right. I'm very curious to know, Lucas, the blizzard still your favorite episode or not? Uh, I would say so. Um, the thing about the blizzard that there's lots to love about it, but we touched on it very briefly earlier. I think it, the blizzard's a very special episode for me personally because of where we live and because this sort of thing happens so often. And I have so many memories of the actual power going out and the sort of communal aspect of everybody sort of counting on each other in a way that they don't usually, where it's like, oh, you call your friends or your family and be like, who still has power? Let's all go to their house. Let's all pool our resources together and depend on each other and I think that's that's a unique touchstone to places like where we live uh, where we experience harsh weather and I think it's, it's you know it is something where we are together through adversity. It's it's something that brings people together who live near each other as a collective that's really, really special about places that experience winter. Uh, and so 
I think an episode touching on that sort of community aspect is so special because it's not something I see in media a lot. But then the other things that make this episode really special are just like the this episode there is not a wasted scene or a wasted moment of dialogue uh it does my favorite thing it, it, you know what this might be a little bit too much of a stretch but this is just how i feel um one of my favorite tv shows is the wire and the reason i like the wire so much is because there's not really a main character the city of baltimore is the main character um but we still Every single moment in The Wire either teaches you something new about one of the characters or makes them feel more real, uh, gives you a new piece of information. And the Blizzard's like that where it's an ensemble episode, but it's not a frivolous ensemble episode uh, because we see all these quick character moments of characters interacting that we don't normally see, like Brain and Prunella or the adults. Uh, but it either gives us a moment of comedy or it teaches us something new about those characters and how they react in certain scenarios. We have so much good characterization even with the crosswires and with a brief moment with Pal and Kate. Um, and all of that stuff also ties into the overall theme of the episode, which is it's Francine sort of learning the plight of what it meant to be a pioneer and what it meant for community and working together as a collective. So all of those pieces come together to make a great whole. It's super not boring at all. Like, it, you're, you're glued to the screen. It's the best Arthur has to offer in terms of comedy, in terms of writing and actually delivering upon its uh, uh, moral without be it being a really like over the top uh after school special moral like everything um it just plays like a great show it doesn't even play like a uh, uh an episode of children's television um so i really really do get a kick out of this episode and if it didn't have any of that stuff it's worth it being a favorite just for the mr haney mr rapper and mr morris stuff that stuff's hilarious to this day some of my favorite comedy in all of arthur and it wraps up at the end, if you're a fan of Arthur lore, with that stuff with the snowball at the end, which I had completely forgotten about. That was a fun treat at the end of the episode. Well, I'm glad that it stayed that way for you. And if you're going to pick a favorite episode, this is a good one to pick. Uh, <laughs> I really like this, too. Um, pretty much for the reasons that you mentioned. And it, it was actually nice to uh, kind of see it from your perspective, because you're you're the one coming into this with a lot of... Uh, feelings on this for me it was just kind of experiencing it after a very long time and I agree uh, I really like the Arthur episodes that move at a clip uh, especially ones that involve a lot of people and this one definitely doesn't waste your time it's a, it's special to us as you mentioned because of where we live and the experiences that we've had but I think it's something that you can get something out of no matter where you live uh, just the sense of community I thought was very heartwarming and actually wanted me to you know, start having that own sense myself, making it making me miss the opportunities that I've had for that same sort of community that this episode kind of engenders. Yeah, no, I thought there was some really funny parts. I thought that the story just went really well. Like, I don't really have any complaints about it. It's just a really solid episode of Arthur. Um, the Rat Who Came to Dinner, I think, is also a very good companion piece because it kind of runs into the. It kind of runs parallel to the events of the of the blizzard because you could infer that like the snow that collapses Mr. Ratburn's roof is probably from the blizzard. So this is probably like maybe a week or two after. Maybe um, I liked this. I as I said before, Mr. Ratburn, one of my favorite characters in Arthur, um, and this fleshes him out to a point where you know. Now, when he gets the opportunity to be silly or kind of off the wall, you can see kind of where it comes from. He's not just this stuffy, 
we're, we're getting past the character of him being like intimidating and just kind of this stuffy teacher. But as we've seen before in other episodes, and especially now, he's got a life outside of this. So it's more natural, more in character when he kind of lets his freak flag fly a little bit. You know, he likes puppets and marionettes and he really likes cartoons. He's kind of like, he's, he's almost like a bit of a man child when you, when you get to it. And I mean that in a positive way of, you know, he's, he's a kid at heart. He's got all of these kind of more childish interests, but it also offsets by the fact that he genuinely likes education and, uh, and, and teaching. So as we saw in the blizzard as well, with how he reacts to, uh, the school, I thought the conflict of the episode was a little half-baked, kind of came out of nowhere with Arthur's friends, like, suddenly turning on him. Like, it's it more it was just introduced after we did, like, at least half of the episode. I'm like, okay, we kind of don't really need this. I guess we kind of need the story to go somewhere. But I don't know. It just felt a little forced. And uh, I liked the way that Mr. R- I liked Mr. Ratburn's way to kind of end it. So it ended pretty well. Just Just a little bit of what the conflict was was didn't, sit 100% with me. But other than that, I'd say this is still uh, a, pre- a pretty pretty darn good episode. Maybe it's that morning air, but I have another weird comparison to make after comparing the first episode we watched to The Wire. I would compare The Rat Who Came to Dinner to something like a Noah Bobback movie. Like, <laughs> and, and, and hear me out here. Um, this episode had a lot more snappy dialogue than I'm used to Arthur ha- having. Like, this was a very dialogue-heavy episode of sort of Arthur, Mr. Rapper, and DW all kind of almost talking over each other, and it really works. There's lots of, like, good writing in this episode, mm-hmm. like specifically that sequence when um, Mr. Rapper first comes to the house and it's a very like Noah Bumback story of like, oh, here's this this authority figure or this character that's not normally living with a family and now they're living with a family and, and how does the family deal with that? And it's sort of DW's talking under everyone and, and Arthur's sort of dealing with the like his perception of what Mr. Rapper would want and they're all kind of talking to each other. And I thought it was a unique vibe uh, for an Arthur episode, uh, but yeah, a lot of those really dialogue, there's not a lot of visual humor, it's all like dialogue-based humor in this episode, and I think mm-hmm. it all really hits well, um, and it's effective of that, and I see what you mean about, I think that the major conflict of the episode of all the kids almost bullying Arthur seems so out of place because it's been so long since we've had a story like that, like, I feel like we're past the point where it's acceptable for, uh, you know, the likes of Francine and Binky, uh, especially, like, people like Buster and the Brain, like, the brain of uh, especially being like, oh, give me those books back. Like, okay, like, people at Glasshouse's brain, like, <laughs> you're calling Arthur teacher's pet? But it was necessary to be like, this is something that could happen. Treating another unique moral of something that we don't usually see in children's television talking about, like, yeah, teachers are people. And sometimes teachers do stay at people's houses if if something goes wrong because they know their parents like i've heard of this happening before in real life uh but you don't see it tackled in media that often so i thought that was interesting um but i agree with you like they are a little too harsh with arthur especially when they're drawing arthur mr rapper fan art where he's like the little rat rat jr that's just just mean um but i i agree that the way it wraps up almost makes it worth it with mr rapper and saying oh, i'm gonna say your house and i'm gonna say at your house and it's sort of giving that binky that existential crisis where he falls out of his chair mm. um i had remembered this episode going into it i was sort of more excited for the blizzard because you know it's my favorite arthur episode but i was really pleasantly surprised with uh this episode and how it kind of does have its unique own vibe to it uh in the way it's structured uh so i ended up really enjoying it as well 
And again, anything to give us more lore, more backstory to Mr. Rapper, and I feel like I know Mr. Rapper so much better having seen this episode than I did before, and we have to give mention to that being John Malkovich opening that's just super weird, the dog head, woof, woof, that's really something special. Um, I, I want to affirm what you said about the writing. Uh, very, very good point. Uh, so, like some, some really terrific jokes in here, but also mm-hmm. very well written from just like a, uh, family drama point of view. So I'm glad that you said that. I think you communicated that a lot better than, than I did. Yeah. I don't know why, but it really, it reminded me of like the Meyerowitz stories or just like a recent Noah Baumbach movie. Right. Well, there you have it. I'd say we are all thumbs up on this episode, so uh, hopefully you are too. But no matter how you felt about it, we'd love to hear from you as we close out this episode of Elwood City Limits. Of course, you can get back to us by email, as our great listeners did, at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. On social media, you can follow us here, facebook.com slash elwoodcitylimits, at Podcast on Twitter, and elwoodcitylimits.tumblr. Send us a message over there or a rating where it's applicable. Speaking of ratings, if you'd like to leave us one on Apple Podcasts, we would be very, very grateful. Leave us a a five-star review and a comment and let us know how we're doing, what you think of the show, and we can help reach even more fans of Arthur. You can also, I think, do that over on Google Play, or you can find all the episodes at elwoodcitylimits.libsyn.com. And you can also consider becoming a contributor at at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits, but only if you want to. All right, that's our episode for today. Coming up next time here on Elwood City Limits. Uh, So this one is going to be interesting. I know at least what one of these are, but let's see if this sparks any memories in you, Lucas. We're going to be talking about DW Tailspins and Prunella Gets It Twice. I I don't know what it is, but she's getting it twice. Uh, I, I really like the theme song to uh, Tailspin, like the cartoon. <laughs> oh, yo, Tailspin! That's a good one, so. We'll see if Maybe that. Launchpad, Launchpad McQuack will make an appearance. We'll see if we can work that in somewhere next time here on Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. Thanks again for joining us and for uh, letting us be a part of your week. This is Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini. Are there no hotels? We'll see you next time. And since you mentioned The Wire, if you walk with Arthur, he'll save your soul. You You gotta gotta keep keep rapping down in the hole. Oh, my goodness. Can't wait to rewatch The Wire. See you later, guys.